So, Wete Discipuli, welcome to another lesson in Latin in layman's. Today we're going to be going over the 10th chapter in Wheelock, where um, we are going to dive into the third I.O. and fourth conjugation verbs. Before we begin, I just want to thank everybody who is tuning in. I appreciate it. And uh, I just want to say uh, to all that have left a review, I love you so much. Uh, appreciate you guys so much. I don't use the word love uh, lightly, as you guys probably know from my uh, other poetic dealios. Anyways, uh, yeah, I just want to show my appreciation to you guys and... Um, Without further ado, we'll go ahead and dive into this next chapter. So before we begin, let's go ahead and go over some, or rather, three important rules, I would say, that we should remember. So one uh, is the thematic vowel in the fourth conjugation is going to be an I. Number two, the future tense sign in the fourth conjugation is an E. Um, And the third... In the third conjugation, I-O, it resembles the fourth conjugation more than the third. Shush, computer. To begin, the formation of the present tense in the fourth conjugation follows the same pattern, I would say, as uh, all the other conjugations. So, a fourth conjugation verb base is added and a thematic vowel, in this case, I, plus we append uh, the personal ending. So those personal endings are the same that we've seen in other conjugations, though the thematic vowel in the fourth conjugation often shows up as a long I, nowhere in the long mark mandatory. Nowhere is, rather, the long mark mandatory. Um, I never really teach long marks that much or macrons. Uh, It's something that I deal with more uh, with advanced uh, Latin because that's when you kind of deal with a lot more vocabulary and such. Okay, so the translation of the present tense in the fourth, uh, it's not going to pose any challenges. It's just going to be I come, I do come, I am coming. and so on. So the imperfect tense in the fourth conjugation presents uh, a few surprises, though. So it uses the tense marker BA that we are familiar with, uh, like in the other conjugations, and to that we add those personal endings. The only irregularity of any sort is that fourth conjugation doubles as a thematic vowel IE in the imperfect. So... Um, but that doesn't really like count as a surprise, especially because we call it the uh, third I-O, um, because there is this strong presence of I and is at the end of the base in the fourth conjugation. So uh, thus the imperfect would follow as such if we were using the word winao, winare. So it'd be when a bomb, when a boss, when a bot. So I was coming, I used to come, I kept coming, you were coming, he, she, it, 
was coming. The translation of the imperfect tense in fourth conjugation is also exactly what you would expect from the other conjugations, as you can very well see. As for the future, it uses the same tense sign as the third conjugation, E, and even has the same irregularity in the first person singular, where the E is replaced with an A. However, though, um, unlike in the third conjugation, the thematic vowel is never lost, resulting in forms like weniam, wenies, and weniet. The other forms uh, in fourth conjugation should be and follow predictable patterns too. The imperative mood, remember when using a, a direct address basically, uses the verb base to which it just adds the thematic vowel I and no ending to form the singular. The plural uses the ending TE and that's going to render the WINI or WINITE. So that's going to be spelt as such, V-E-N-I. Remember, V's are pronounced as W's in Latin. And in the plural, it's going to be V-E-N-I-T-E, meaning come, uh, with an exclamation mark, either referring uh, or directly addressing a singular um, person or a plural amount of people. Excuse me. Allergies, babe. Uh, okay, so the infinitive is the final recipe in this pleasant cookbook of predictability, in my opinion. Um, take one fourth conjugation verb base, add the thematic vowel I, slather on to the end of that the expected infinitive ending RE, and then you get winire. So that's going to be spelled. V-E-N-I-R-E. The fifth and final conjugation in Latin looks on the surface like it's a blend of the third and fourth conjugations. Therefore, it's called the third I-O. That's because the first principal part ends I-O as if it were the fourth conjugation, but doesn't have an I-R-E infinitive the way that fourth conjugation verbs do but uh, an ERE infinitive the way the third conjugations do, so we kind of wedge them right in between the two, uh, between the third and fourth. So it's third because of its infinitive and IO because of its first principal part. Here are three examples of third conjugation IO verbs. So we have facio, facire, fugio, fugere, Capio capere. Um, so we're going to go ahead. Let's uh, take a little bit of a break for our sponsorship of Anchor, of which I'm going to proceed and let you guys or, or say that definitely look into it if uh, you ever want to try and do a podcast, you know, do something new, put yourself out there. Uh, Anchor makes it super easy. Darn, not sure just what happened, but um, it's like I finished recording the 
rest of this episode, and then all of a sudden it just vanished into the ethers. So I'm going to go ahead and re-record this little bad boy. Um, Let me see if I remember exactly where we were. So um, uh, to go back, we were, I was just uh, listing out some I-O verbs, facio facere, fugio fugere, capio capere. So in the third conjugation, the balance between third and fourth conjugation forms is nowhere near to be even. There are far more forms um, that appear to be fourth conjugation than third. So, um, for example, let's look at fugio. You can see that it follows the same general pattern that we're used to, base plus thematic vowel plus personal ending. So we got fugio, fugis, fugit, etc. The dominance of the I thematic vowel makes this conjugation look a lot like fourth, um, especially since the I rarely contracts into other forms. The translation of third I-O conjugation verbs in the present tense follows exactly the same pattern as the other conjugations might. So, for example, we have I flee, I do flee, I am fleeing. Um, the imperfect tense, where the ba tense sign uh, is still present, we have an IE double thematic vowel, like the fourth conjugation, and that's going to translate as such, was, was, used to, or kept on. Same uh, all around so far, and now the future, this may be exciting, so look at it, E future tense marker, and we have A in the first person singular, no thematic vowel, I lost. Um, which means that it will translate uh, as we know the future translates, will and will be. So in the imperative, we have fuge, F-U-G-E, um, base plus thematic vowel, E, not I, like in the fourth. Um, also E, like in the third, like in the third I-O, uh, essentially. Yeah. Um, so here's some irregular imperatives. So we got facio, which goes to fac. Uh, we have dico, which goes to dick. Um, duco, duke. And pharaoh, fair. So, um, yeah, kind of weird, but at least uh, the plural is regular. It uses the same thematic vowel I and then adds the T-E producing fugite, which means to flee, but just in reference to a plural amount of people that need to flee. So finally, the infinitive is the base plus the thematic vowel E plus the usual RE infinitive marker, making ERE just like the third, not the IRE like fourth. So because of that, this is called the third conjugation but it also does seem like there's a lot of grammar for one or two exceptions, uh, in my modest opinion. So with that, it's going to wrap up our uh, lesson for today. Appreciate you all for sticking with me. And, uh, you know, I, uh, and also for leaving a review, I am ever so grateful for the people that do appreciate uh, this Latin, uh, the vocab, uh, etymology, all that good stuff. So thanks again.
Sawete or not Sawete. Um, tempus est discedere.